0: Welcome to the beauty of our Catholic heritage. Our host is Father Jacob Shea, a Norbertine father of St. Michael's Abbey in Orange County, California. Father Shea has a great love for our church's heritage. The beauty of our Catholic heritage with Father Jacob Shea. Welcome back to the beauty of our Catholic heritage. Happy Easter. And today we are going to meditate on the glories of Dominica in Albis or White Sunday or another name, Divine Mercy Sunday. This Sunday has lots of names because it is so packed with so much stuff to meditate on. So let's start with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto. Sicut erat in principio, et nunc et semper, et in saecula saeculorum. Amen. Sancte Iosef, ora pro nobis. In nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So this Sunday is spectacular. It is the closing day of the Easter octave. So remember eight is the number of super perfection. Seven is the number of perfection. God created the world in six days. On the seventh day he rested. But then even more than that, he not only creates us, he saves us and he resurrects us on the last day so that we can enjoy the beatific vision in our very own bodies, the bodies that you embrace your love. for ones with, that very body is going to be immortal, impassable, shining, right? All of those beautiful qualities of the glorified body he wants to give to us and he wants to just show us exactly how much he wants to bless us. And so here on this eighth day of the Easter octave, the day that closes the most intense celebration of Easter, we have the Dominica in Albis or you can say the Sunday in white, or white sunday or it's also called low sunday there's many many names the first thing is that it's called low sunday because of course easter sunday is you can say high sunday or big sunday right that's the biggest sunday of the year and so then you have the closing off of it it's still very important but it's called low in respect to the big feast of easter now remember that on the Easter Vigil, this is when many catechumens were baptized. And in the old church, right, uh, at the beginning of the church, we had the catechumens, when they were baptized, they would put on white garments. And so, this is the albis. Albis means white. Alba means white. And so, they would put on a white garment. And this we still do. Anytime a baby is baptized, they will receive a white garment. Or even those who are baptized as as adults will receive white garments. And so, from time immemorial, after you were baptized, you wore white garments. Now, the tradition at the beginning of the church was that these newly baptized Catholics or these neophytes, they would wear these white garments for a whole week. And so they would be constantly reminded that they are cleansed white by the blood of the Lamb for the entire duration of the Easter octave. Then on Dominica in Albis, it's actually the full title is Dominica in Albis Deponendis, which means when they put their white garments away. And so here, now they would take off their white garments on this Albis or low sunday so that's the name of the low sunday explained now it's also in the modern church it's called divine mercy sunday because this is what saint faustina wanted to really show to the entire world that was really our lord's wish that the sunday after easter would be called divine mercy sunday And this is very important to realize, is that really this is not something new. This is something that actually has always been in the spirituality of the church. And here, our Lord, through St. Faustina, is just highlighting a really beautiful fact that was already always there. But now he just wants to highlight it and emphasize it more for especially our time in these modern times. And you can really see this in the gospel passage. And the gospel is the gospel of St. John, and always you have here on this gospel reading that it was the time of St. Thomas doubting. And here we see that our Lord first, right he appears to the apostles on Easter Sunday. And all of them are there except St. Thomas. Now, afterwards, the apostles, his best friends, tell St. Thomas, we saw our Lord, we saw our Lord, we saw our Lord, please believe us. And then St. Thomas, of course, doubting Thomas, famously, famously says, unless, you know, I put, um, unless our Lord puts his hand, or put, I can put my hand into our Lord's holes into his holes in his hand and his side, I will not believe. And so, after that, there is a whole week that passes by until the octave day of Easter, which is the day that we will celebrate. And so, Here, St. Thomas is there again in the upper room with the apostles. He's not absent this time. And then our Lord comes and again says, peace be with you. So he passes through the doors and then he says, peace be with you. And so remember the context of this. St. Thomas has been with his best friends, and just imagine your best friends continuously telling you, this is the most amazing thing that has ever happened to us. Our Lord is arisen. Please believe us. And then you have your best friend saying, ah, I don't believe you. I don't believe you at all. Unless I see it for myself, I won't believe it. So that's been happening for a week. And then suddenly, on the eighth day, right, on low Sunday, the week after Easter Sunday. Then St. Thomas sees for his own self, right, with his own eyes and with his own hands, is able to touch the risen Lord's beautiful wounds. Remember that the wounds of our Lord are trophy wounds now. They're not wounds that are painful, but they show us the glory of his resurrection. And so here St. Thomas then is brought to our Lord, right? And our Lord says, put your hands in my hands and your hands in my side and do not be unbelieving. And so here we have to realize, you know, St. Thomas, he is basically almost going to faint. You know, I would faint if our Lord took my hand and just touched my hand. Imagine the glorified God touching your hand and bringing it into the hands that have holes in them and the hole in his very side. Right. I would have just died right there. Right. And so here you have St. Thomas. Right. Just being completely in utter Unbelief now, not that Christ is risen, but now in unbelief of how much God loves him to be so merciful to him that after all of that time of not believing, Jesus still loves St. Thomas so much that he would give him the very thing that he asked for in his unbelief. And so here, St. Thomas gets to put his hands in the hands of our Lord and especially. Put his hands in the side of our Lord. Imagine if you put your hand into the side of our Lord. This, I think, would even be more emotional than putting your hands in the hallmarks in our Lord's hand. Because here, if you ever looked at the beautiful picture of St. Thomas putting his hand into our Lord's side by Caravaggio, this is a really spectacular painting. If you can look it up, just um, find it on the internet very quickly. Just look up Caravaggio and look up St. Thomas and you will see just how graphic this is where St. Thomas really puts his almost like his entire finger into our Lord's side and it was a probably you know a rather deep wound because remember this is the wound that the lance went through and this lance went all the way up to his sacred heart because that's why so much blood and water poured forth and of course this is the very mystery of of the divine mercy right our lord is having the rays of red and white remember red signifies the eucharist white signifies baptism and purity that is flowing from the heart of christ And if you ever watched Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, you'll see that there was a torrent that came forth, right? How is that possible if it was just like a little scratch on his side? It was a really deep wound on the contrary, right? So that lance went really straight up and it went straight up into his heart and pierced his sacred heart. And that's why there was just this torrent of blood and water that came forth. And so here, you know, I don't know if St. Thomas went all the way up into the Sacred Heart, but at least, you know, it was, you know, a relatively deep wound, not just like a kind of a surface scratch. And so, you know, our Lord here, this is a very powerful image that in our Lord's beautiful and infinite mercy, he wants us to go up and touch his very Sacred Heart. You know, he wants us to be in complete union with the Sacred Heart, and so you see that in the Resurrection, it really brings all of the mysteries of the faith together. And here you see devotion of the Sacred Heart and the Divine Mercy; they really come together. People are usually um, forgetful of that. That. You know, our Lord's Sacred Heart is very, very similar to the Divine Mercy. They're really the same devotion there. And so here you see St. Thomas reaching up being guided by our Lord's hand in order to touch the sacred heart and to be in union with it. So really, the Divine Mercy Sunday that we are so familiar with is the same thing as Low Sunday. Because from time immemorial, we have heard this beautiful gospel from St. John of the doubting Thomas turned into such a lover of the sacred heart. And so here, let us meditate too on the beautiful chants that we hear. And so what kind of chants do we hear for Low Sunday? And this also gives us a window into the spirituality of the saints because these are the exact chants that they would hear. Here on Low Sunday or Divine Mercy Sunday, you will hear the Quasimodo chant. Now, a lot of people know Quasimodo from the hunchback of Notre Dame, but that's where he actually got his name from because that's the name of this mass. And so Quasimodo means like, literally it means like or just as. So here it's Quasimodo geniti infantes, like newborn infants. Alleluia. Rationabilis, you can say rational. Sine dolo, without any kind of evil way of thinking, without any kind of guile. Sine dolo. Lac concupiscite, desire milk. All right? Alleluia, alleluia. So it's a very mystical introit. Right? But here, what it's referring to, the newborn infants in the faith, those are the neophytes. And so they are still newborn in the faith and they are, as it were, desiring the milk, right? This milk is the grace that comes forth from Christ. And so here you usually hear about the land of milk and honey, right? In uh, the Old Testament, the Israelites wanted to go to the promised land, which is a land flowing with milk and honey, right? Milk, usually you can think of this as Eucharistic, right? The Eucharist is our true food, just as milk is what the babies need to have for their nourishment. The honey signifies the sweetness of the Eucharist. And so really heaven will be a land flowing with milk and honey that is the fulfillment of the Eucharist, which is our Lord himself, and we will be able to gaze and be fed on the beatific vision, right? The bread of angels. So remember, there is actually no more Eucharist in heaven. This is a very sad thing, right? In a certain way, because we will have our Lord himself to enjoy, And so here, this is a very beautiful thing to meditate on that. For example, St. John Vianney, he wept and wept and wept because he said, when I die, there will be no more Eucharist, right? There's no more sacrament of the Eucharist. There's no more sacraments in heaven because we will have the very reality. So when here St. John Vianney weeps, a lot of people think that, oh, he wants there to be the Eucharist in heaven, right? But that's actually not true. It's really the fact that what the Eucharist is in this world, it's still our Lord, of course, is his very body, blood, soul, and divinity, but it's veiled. Right. And so our Lord is truly present in the Eucharist, but it's veiled under the sacred species of what looks to be bread. But it's not. Right, It's just the white and the shape of the bread. But it's not. Right, It's just the accidents. That's the philosophical term. The accidents or you can say the looks or the species of bread are there. But the bread in substance is not there. The flesh of Christ is there. And so here the Eucharist is truly Christ but veiled with the species of bread and wine. So remember just the accidents or you can say properties of bread and wine, namely the whiteness. The thing underlying the whiteness is Christ's actual flesh. There's no more substance of bread anymore. And so when St. John Vianney says there's going to be no more Eucharist in heaven and he's weeping, right? this is because in heaven We will have Christ himself, but there's no more veil. And this is something so beautiful and beyond words that we can't even begin to imagine. The veil will be ripped off, as it were, and we will have Christ and commune with him face to face in heaven. And so we see here that quasi modo genitis infantis, that like newborn infants, desire milk right? So here we have the newly baptized, uh, formerly catechumens, newly baptized neophytes. And here the chant says, desire luck, which means desire the milk, right? And here that's an image of the Eucharist, which is our true food. So what does it sound like? And
1: again, you've got to cap everything off with the Alleluia. Alleluia. That's so celebratory, right? Then,
0: cap it off with the Alleluia
1: again. Alleluia, Alleluia.
0: Very celebratory. It's very full of devotion. So, mode six is what this mode is, what this chant is in. Mode six is the devotional mode. So, you really hear that warmth, right? Hallelujah. And so here you see the mercy of God. This is again tied with the newly baptized neophytes. They have experienced firsthand the mercy of God and they're ready to receive God's mercy in the greatest of the sacraments, the most merciful of the sacraments, which is the Eucharist. And there you see that, again, in Divine Mercy Sunday, we really meditate on St. Faustina's great highlighting of the fact that the greatest attribute of God is his mercy. The greatest attribute of God is his mercy. And she's not the first one to say this, remember, she's not the first one to say this at all. Actually, she is just repeating, right, of course, through the revelations of our Lord, what has always been taught in St. Thomas Aquinas, that the greatest attribute is his mercy. And why is this? It's because we see that the attributes of God, such as justice or providence, wisdom, love, all of these attributes of God, all of them are really um, describing something about God, but the word that they use, for example, justice or love, when we use a human word to describe these infinite perfections of God, it kind of encapsulates it because our human language is limited. right? So we try to describe God's justice. We use this word justice but our wording is going to fall a little bit short when we talk about justice of God or the love of God etc. And so here when we think about the word mercy, here St. Thomas says that when we apply the word mercy to God, this is the infinite excess of God's love. And so really in the word mercy, you have this notion of going over and beyond. And so it really has this notion of expansiveness, effusiveness, where God is just pouring his infinite love out on us and we don't deserve it at all. And so this is the greatest attribute of God because it really shows exactly the lengths that God goes to, to show his infinite love to us. Whereas the other words, for example, justice, because we have this human word, we know that God's justice is infinite. But because of our human word, it kind of encapsulates it, you know. And so here you have in the word mercy, it's just complete excess of God, right? He is just infinite, outpouring, loving, and you can really just even use your common sense. What is the greatest sign of God's love for us? It's his death for us on the cross, which is pure mercy. And so here you see on Divine Mercy Sunday, the greatest attribute of God, and this is especially revealed in his pierced heart, Right, his pierced heart, that St. Thomas is reaching up in order to touch and that God invites him to touch. Even however much that St. Thomas doubted, right, even however much he did not believe, our Lord still reaches down to us in his great mercy and he wants to raise us up to the level of his sacred heart. And so this is beautiful for us to meditate on, on Divine Mercy Sunday, that no matter how much we have doubted God, no matter how much we have failed him, no matter how much we won't believe our friends or trust in our friends, not only our friends here on earth, but also our friends in heaven, the saints, right? How many times have they really prayed for us to believe in God? How many times has our guardian angel been at our side saying, Do not lose trust in God. You can get through this, strengthening us. And yet, we wouldn't believe them. How many times have we not trusted in our guardian angel or our patron saints and we kind of just forgot them and just put them to the side? And yet, God in his infinite mercy will always, always, always reach down to take our hand and put it up his side, his pierced side, so that we can touch His beautiful sacred heart. And so we see in this time especially that, for example, St. Margaret Mary, who received the revelations of the Sacred Heart, we see that it's the very same devotion, just slightly emphasized more with regards to the infinite attribute of mercy that St. Faustina gives to us in the Great Feast of the Divine Mercy. And especially in this modern age, we see that our Lord wants to really make us apostles of mercy, because so many people, they cannot even believe believe how much God loves them. They just believe that nobody loves them. And that's why there's so much sadness in this world. But if we could only realize how merciful God is, how much he loves us to just shower everything on us, right? That's why even love itself in a way, you could say is not the greatest attribute of God, because it's really his mercy that is the excessive love. It goes even further, as it were, than our kind of constricted notion of love, to really emphasize the fact that God is so excessive, so effusive, and his love just kind of is breaking beyond all limits, that he just wants to love us with this infinite love, to pour out all of his blood for us, and to convince us how much He loves us. Because when we finally realize how much we are loved by God, then our entire lives are changed forever. If we really knew how much God loved us, we would never sin, right? If we really knew the same thing about the Mass, and that is the really the sign and the real way that God shows us so powerfully in our time right now, how much He loves us. If we really knew how much He loved us, we would do everything to go to Mass all the time, right? And we would really do everything that we can to worthily receive Holy Communion, the Holy Eucharist with all of our hearts every time, going from sanctity to sanctity. We would die of love if we knew what the Mass was, as the saints tell us. And so, let us remember how merciful God is to us, that no matter what we've done, that He will always pour out His infinite love. All we have to do is let Him take our hand. The sad thing is that we can just push His hand away. And this is not what St. Thomas did, but he let our Lord take his hand and put it up his wounded side. You know, many times little children, you know, if they don't want you to hold them, they'll kind of like beat you away. You know, God doesn't force us to put our hands up his side, even though he really, really wants us to. Right. He wants us to freely choose to let his hand, his sacred hand, lead us up into his sacred heart. And so we pray that we will not abuse his mercy, right? We cannot abuse his mercy and just say, no, I don't want it, and just kind of beat his hand away, but willingly give our hand to him and so that he can guide us to the ways of his sacred heart. We give everything to Jesus, who is the King of mercy, and we love him with all of our hearts And we ask for the prayers of St. Faustina, and we ask for the prayers of the Sacred Heart, that we might understand by faith how much we are loved by God, so that we will never sin again, and that we may become great saints. God bless you so much, and Happy Easter. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. You've been listening to The Beauty of Our Catholic Heritage with Father Jacob Shea. If this program has been a blessing to you, please encourage others to listen as well. For more information, visit spiritfilledhearts.org. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. May God be with you this day and always. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit Filled Hearts Ministry with a one time or monthly gift. Spirit Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.